welcome to this webinar on the blue economy in the green transition, European contributions to sustainable uh, management. This event has been organized by the mission of Norway to the European Union and the Portuguese presidency of the Council of the European Union. I'm Brian McGuire, I'll be with you uh, for this afternoon's session. Uh, we can follow the discussion at hashtag EA debates. Uh, please tweet your comments there. Our social media team uh, will respond. And to ask questions, go to the chat section and use the ask button and we'll bring those questions to the panelists a little bit later on. Now today we'll discuss Europe's policies for a sustainable blue economy and how these initiatives contribute to the global efforts for sustainable ocean management. In May, the European Commission presented the initiative A New Approach for a Sustainable Blue Economy in the EU. And the Commission said not only should the blue economy adhere, like every other sector, to the European Green Deal, it is also indispensable to meet the EU's environmental and climate objectives. After all, it said, the ocean is the main climate regulator we have. It offers clean energy and sustains us with oxygen, food and many critical resources. There just can't be green without blue. A sustainable blue economy has been a priority for the Portuguese uh, EU presidency and Norwegian Prime Minister uh, Erna Solberg leads the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy where the Portuguese Prime Minister Antonio Costa is also a member. Now before we meet our panel we have a short video for you. As two Atlantic coastal nations in Europe, Portugal and Norway share a strong engagement for the ocean. The ocean is central in the history, culture and economy of both countries. The world needs more resources and services from the ocean. A sustainable ocean economy is vital for achieving the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And Portugal is a medium-sized country. In extreme contrast, our sea is huge. Our economic exclusive zone exceeds 18 times our emerged territory. And we have that in common with Norway. Naturally, we jointly engaged in the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy with 12 other countries, politically endorsing a set of ocean priorities built upon knowledge and science. The panel has a very clear takeaway. We need a new relationship with the ocean, one relationship that looks at the ocean as a critical part of the solution for environmental recovery and a sustainable economy. This was the priority of the Portuguese presidency of the Council of the European Union, promoting Council conclusions on integrated maritime policy dedicated precisely to a sustainable blue economy. Through the EEA grants, 
Portugal and Norway jointly contribute to the European Green Shift, involving public institutions, academia, civil society and private sector. Achieving the blue in the green requires concrete action. We are working closely in the EEA grants and its Blue Growth Program, comprising over 40 million euros to invest in projects. Supported by the EEA grants, Portugal has purchased and upgraded the ocean research vessel Mario Rovo. The Atlantic Observatory will be organized as a joint research unit promoting the network of marine authorities and relevant research institutions with the strong involvement of the continent's research communities. The Atlantic Observatory project that we are jointly developing to better understand the ocean. Academia and research institutions from both countries are taking steps for the advance of marine knowledge as proposed in the United Nations Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. The BION project aims to create green hydrogen from offshore wind energy. Fishing the plastic it's a project addressing the problems of plastic pollution by involving the fishing community through the collection and upcycling of plastic in the ocean and on the beaches. Together we must take better care of the ocean so that we can continue to benefit from it for future generations. The ocean brings us together and this a lifeline for our future. That is our statement in the Plana, in the Portuguese Presidency, in our partnership with Nore and in our continued engagement with the ocean. Very nicely uh, produced uh, video there, good background to what we're going to discuss this afternoon. Now let me introduce our panellists uh, for today. We have with us Ricardo Sarao Santos, he's the Minister of Maritime Affairs of Portugal, also a former MEP. Good to see you again. 
Uh, Jens uh, Frolik uh, Holt, he's the State Secretary of the Norwegian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Norwegian Prime Minister's representative to the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy. We also have with us uh, Hugo Maria Schalli, uh, Head of Unit for Multilateral Environmental Cooperation, DG Environment, the European Commission. Isabel Carvalhos, uh, Carvalhas, a Member of the European Parliament and Member of the PESH Committee in the Parliament also. And uh, Kristin E. Thorod, uh, Project Coordinator for the Blue Bio Co-Fund, uh, part of the Research Council of of Norway. Great to have you all with us uh, today. Now, if I can ask each of you just to begin with uh, your introductory remarks as well. Ricardo, can we have you go first? Thank you. Uh, can, uh, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I, I hope that the sound is good. I can thank you very clearly. much, Brian. Uh, and let me greet also Jens, uh, Jens uh, Holt, Hugo Schale, uh, my dear uh, Isabel Carvalhais, and uh, Christian Turut. Uh, and of course, I would also to greet the mission of Norway to the European Union for promoting uh, such an important debate and everyone that is uh, uh, hearing us in this webinar. Uh, we, began, we began this session with a movie that in fact acknowledged the important relationship between Norway and Portugal. And since, and since we are still in the contest of the Portuguese presidents, let me also underline the strong relationship uh, between Norway and the European Union. The title of this webinar, uh, The Blue Economy in the Green Transition, is aptly fitted with our motto for the presidency. We have elected June as the month of the sea under the general umbrella, a blue agenda in the Green Deal. And this blue agenda is very much dependent on a sustainable blue economy. In line with the European Commission initiative, a new approach, approach sorry, for a sustainable economy in the European Union, Portugal has promoted the approval of the Council conclusions on integrated maritime policy dedicated precisely to a sustainable economy. Those conclusions debated at a ministerial meeting and a high-level conference on the 8th of June in Lisbon are grounded in four pillars. Health, knowledge, prosperity, and social equality that are interlinked with the priority axis of the Portuguese presidency for the sea. And these are sustainable fisheries and conservation of marine resources and integrated maritime policy. The blue economy is critical, not only for the Green Deal, but also to advance the European recovery plan and at a wider scale, the blue economy is critical to achieve our commitment with the sustainable ocean management. This is a goal that we share, Portugal and Norway, and the stated goal of the high-level panel for a sustainable ocean economy to which both countries belong. The ocean is our primary climate regulator, but it also okay for food security, for numerous critical resources, and for the livelihood of several communities. It entails many of the solutions of our planet, but it is also more fragile than we were used to think. And you have, and this message, this is a message that can never be overemphasized. Thank you very much. Uh, Excellent. Uh, I don't know if the sound was okay, but um, I'm in a different place today, <laughs> thank you. I'm guessing it's a fish restaurant. 
Yes, it is. I mean, uh, in the, the, the center of Portugal, close to the Rio Guadiana, where I came for a set of meetings with uh, 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 local authorities. And, uh, sorry. <laughs> no problem. You're living the brand today. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Jens Holt, over to you. You introduce your remarks. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for, for inviting me. And also um, a big um, um, thank you and congratulations to, um, to Ricardo for um, having uh, had a great lunch, <laughs> I hope, and also uh, for uh, completing a presidency um, in a very demanding uh, period. Uh, we've had a, a pandemic, uh, but you know, despite these challenges, uh, your presidency has been a, um, a big success and also you have been able to, to highlight uh, the importance of the blue economy as evidenced by the video and also by Portugal's messaging uh, during um, uh, your presidency. Um, Norway and Portugal um, has very close um, bilateral relations um, and especially related to oceans. Uh, we work together to, to JPI oceans as, as, uh, as Ricardo knows well. Um, we are also uh, the um, well, we were the two European members of the high-level panel on a sustainable ocean economy. This panel was um, set up um, uh, in part by, by Norwegian Prime Minister Anna Solberg to highlight the need uh, for a more sustainable ocean economy and to show how it's possible to protect and produce from the ocean at the same time. And Norway and Portugal are champions of the panel and we are also now very happy to have France uh, as a member, so we are more European countries um, on uh, board. Um, I think uh, for uh, for Norway uh, being um, and what say a, a true ocean nation, um, we have Norwegians. We have uh, salt water running in our veins. Uh, we have always looked um, uh, over the oceans for uh, for inspiration, uh, for employment, for for economic engagement. Uh, and we are have done so since the, the the Viking Age and before that, and we're also doing it for the future. We see um, the um, uh, transition um, from. I mean, we had we have an economy who is has grown uh, based on, on oil and gas exploration, uh, and we are moving into a, a greener economy uh, based on more renewable resources. And in that regard, the ocean will be. Uh, the, the place where we look for economic uh, opportunities. Um, and of course, Norway being a member of the uh, European economic area, uh, places a very strong um, um, strong emphasis on cooperating with the EU. And we are um, um, quite um, um, enthusiastic and we strongly welcome the European Commission's uh, recent communications uh, on a new approach to a sustainable uh, blue uh, economy. Um, this mirrors very well uh, what the high-level panel on the sustainable ocean economy has called for uh, as well. Um, we need uh, to show and underline how uh, protection and production uh, works hand in hand. Um, and I mean, the numbers are clear. The, the, the ocean panel expert groups has calculated that if we um, invest $1 in the ocean economy, we'll get $5 back. Uh, we it's, it's possible to increase uh, the food we get from the ocean uh, by, by six times if we manage the oceans uh, better and, and smarter and more sustainable. Um, so, I mean, the holistic approach that the European Commission has set out um, really matches very well with the 
uh, holistic approach that the ocean panel um, um, champions. And the ocean panel has a very clear goal of getting to 100% sustainable management of the uh, ocean uh, area, uh, which is a, a, a big goal and a big target, uh, but working together with, with countries like, like Portugal and also with France, an EU member, uh, makes it uh, possible to get there uh, globally. Um, there are a number of areas where um, the Norwegian economy and the European economy um, fits perfectly together uh, and the Norwegian blue economy and the European blue economy uh, makes for natural partners. Uh, offshore wind power is set to grow with costs falling and, uh, and uh, output and energy demand increasing. Um, it's, uh, we want to replace the, the dirty fossil fuel. I mean, Norway as an oil producing country wants to <laughs> Uh, reduce demand for fossil fuels and um, and build more offshore wind power. We recently put out a white paper uh, on how we are going to uh, open up for more offshore wind. Uh, and we recently um, also uh, opened um, a, um, an, uh, an electric link uh, between interconnector between Norway and Germany. So we are really looking to, to, to EU to cooperate on the energy uh, space. Uh, green shipping is also an area where Norway and the EU shares um, a common interest and we are working to join forces with the European Union on both the COP26 coming up in Glasgow and the uh, UN Food Systems Summit and on COP15 uh, which is the Biological Diversity uh, COP. So I mean there's a lot of opportunities and I look forward to discussing this later in the panel. Thanks. Jens, thank you. Uh, let's hear from uh, Hugo now. Hugo Shelley. Thank you, Brian. There we go. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, thank you very much for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here this afternoon. Uh, obviously, from the perspective of uh, the Commission, uh, there is uh, an element to the further development of the blue economy that is closely linked to the implementation of the European Green Deal and the different elements thereunder. Uh, which uh, bring together the uh, components of the transition to a circular economy, uh, the adoption of a biodiversity strategy in the perspective of 2030, and all that together with the need to ensure such a transition globally. Globally, because I think it's easy to understand in the context of a discussion on the blue economy, because the ocean knows no limits, and whatever is done to the ocean or is put in the ocean will find its ways to many shores and many rivers uh, across the world. Uh, therefore, from a very early time, uh, the issue of marine litter has been recognized by the European Union as a very uh, important issue to be addressed. And we have been in the forefront uh, together with Norway in many instances in ensuring that this is an issue that should be dealt with at global level. Uh, in the context of the initiatives of the European Union, uh, the uh, issue of plastic has come to the forefront already with the adoption of the first circular economy action plan in December 2015. Uh, the uh, follow-up to this uh, was among other things, the adoption of the EU plastic strategy that led out in broad terms how in the European Union we were proposing to deal with the negative environmental externalities of plastic 
uh, and at the same time ensuring the uh, transition to a sustainable plastic economy. One of the uh, tangible results of that effort, which uh, in our assessment will contribute very much to minimize the EU contribution to the problem of marine litter, was the adoption and the subsequent implementation of the directive on single-use plastics. Uh, this directive will finally uh, enter into force in all member states in July of this year and will, uh, in once fully implemented, make a tangible contribution to global efforts to fight marine plastic litter. But that uh, obviously was not enough and uh, we need to continue to look for opportunities to step up the fight against marine plastic litter. Uh, it has been on the agenda of the United Nations Environment Assembly since very early on. And from a very early stage of the discussion, global partners agreed that uh, business as usual was not an option and that additional measures should be taken to address that problem. However, it has taken many years to move forward and uh, look at what could be done at the global level in terms of a public policy intervention at global level to address the problem of plastic pollution. And uh, the European Union and Norway have been cooperating very closely in international fora to see that this discussion moves forward. Moving forward meant uh, at an initial stage to analyze, identify, and a list global response options through the work of the ad hoc ad expert group on uh, marine plastic litter that was established by, a by the United Nations Environment Assembly at its third session in uh, 2017. Uh, already at the fifth session, fourth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly, there were attempts to move forward with the discussion, conclude the work of the ad hoc expert group, and to see whether a, a decisive step towards the negotiation of an international agreement on plastics that would deal with the environmental externalities of the production, consumption, and use of plastics could be uh, started. That was not possible at the fourth session of the United Nations Environment Assembly, which is why uh, several countries have uh, put their heads together and uh, luckily uh, both Norway and the member states of the European Union and the e European Commission have been in that group to see whether further progress can be made because the clear analysis that we have all made is that uh, we have uh, big gaps in international governance that address those things. Now, we are at the stage where we hope, and I will come to a close, Brian, don't worry, uh, <laughs> that uh, in, the, in the next, in the resumed session of the uh, fifth meeting of the United Nations Environment Assembly, which we hope will be held uh, in March 2022 in Nairobi, and I hope that we all come together in person again, we will take a decisive step forward and launch the negotiation for such an international agreement that would be the necessary complement to all the efforts that are undertaken at the national and regional level. Thank you very much. Hugo, thank you so much. That was uh, really uh, clear and thorough as well. So uh, I think uh, our audience have heard enough to be able to send in some questions at this point as well. So you don't have to wait till, uh, till later on. If you're, you want to ask any of our panelists any particular questions, you can address them to them specifically. And let us know uh, where you're from also, if you don't mind. And uh, we'll put those questions to the panel a little bit later on. Now, uh, Isabel Carvalhas, uh, over to you. 
Hi there. Thank you. Thank you so much and good afternoon to all speakers and participants in this um, very interesting event. Um, I would like to begin by thanking the mission of Norway to the European Union for this kind invitation to participate in the webinar and gives me the opportunity obviously to present my vision uh, on the European contribution to the sustainable blue economy and the ocean uh, to the ocean management. Um, a lot also uh, that I send a special uh, greeting to my dear friend, Ricardo Serrão Santos. Uh, your work, Ricardo, precedes you, not only as Minister of the Sea in Portugal, but also for your many years of research and political work on behalf of sustainable models of blue economy. Uh, uh, the European Commission was still talking about blue growth, and Ricardo was already arguing on why we should be talking about sustainable blue economy. Now, um, the, the communication of the European Commission on a new approach to a sustainable blue economy in the EU, presented uh, a month ago, is, is a very important step towards the, the fulfillment of the Green Deal objectives. Uh, more than one year after discussing the, the different strategies and plans, uh, this communication now includes already some of the positions and demands that the European Parliament was uh, expressing and has expressed as being fundamental. Uh, in the Committee of Fisheries, uh, where I am as an effective member, uh, we have been pressing hard for the inclusion and recognition of the role of fisheries and aquaculture in, in the transition to a sustainable blue economy. Uh, I am much pleased to see the creation of the Blue Forum uh, to coordinate the dialogue between all users of the sea, including fishers and aquaculture producers. Uh, I've been defending on many occasions the need to strive for solutions that involve all stakeholders. Uh, when we're talking about the sea, in sea where there is no private property, managing conflicts and, and, and most of all avoiding conflict, conflicts is absolutely crucial, as we know. So everybody has to be involved. And uh, a sustainable blue economy includes the, the, the sustainable and balanced development of emerging and, and very important activities, such as blue biotechnology, ocean-based energy production or tourism. But it must also ensure the continuity and sustainability of more traditional activities, such as maritime transport, fisheries, and of course, aquaculture. Um, blue sustainability implies also the transition to responsible food production systems, uh, including the capacity to address their impact on the environment. Fisheries and aquaculture are fundamental for Europe, uh, providing healthy foods with highly nutritional, nutritional value and with low carbon footprint. It is necessary, however, to make sure that when we do, uh, we don't damage this equation, that we don't damage the balance, which is very delicate. And we must recognize that we still need to do a lot to lower the impact of fisheries and aquaculture production in the environment. Uh, one word also on the importance of, of the blue economy in the outermost regions of the Union. These regions depend deeply on the sea, as we know. 
and the potential and the need for the development of a sustainable blue economy in the outermost regions are high and urgent. So I, I, it's also a topic that I, I think could be uh, useful for our reflection today. This and also the need for a balance. Uh, when we talk about, for instance, aquaculture, we know this can decrease the pressure upon the oceans. But at the same time, uh, if we're not careful enough, this can also be damaging uh, for the environment. So uh, it's this... Uh, uh, very fragile balance that we must uh, look for at all times. And I hope these very brief words, because these are just introductory remarks, may provide an overall idea about uh, what I stand for uh, on this matter. And I'm, I'm quite positive that the discussion and the questions will also allow us to, to address uh, many other relevant issues and, and will help to, to go deeper, at least in some of the points that we have already presented. Thank you so much. Back to you. Thank you, Isabel. And let's go to uh, Kristen Therod now as well. Kristen, good to have you with us. Yes, uh, thank you. And, uh... Uh, and good afternoon to all. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank the Portuguese Presidency and also the Norwegian Mission to the European Commission, no, to the European Union, <laughs> for organizing uh, this seminar. I know and appreciate that the two countries have a long history of working together to promote ocean challenges and uh, ocean um, opportunities. Uh, it is a pleasure for me to be invited here as coordinator of the Airnet Co-Fund on Blue Bioeconomy or Blue Bio to share some thoughts and experiences on how the Blue Bioeconomy can adapt to and contribute to the green transition. Blue Bio is a transnational partnership of 30 funding agencies and ministries across 16 European countries, supported financially by the European Commission. And the overarching goal is to identify new and improve existing ways of bringing seafood and other valuable aquatic biobased products and services to the market. This implies improvements of traditional fisheries and aquaculture, but also to explore new and underutilized aquatic bioresources, as well as finding new ways of using the traditional aquatic bioresources. To unlock this potential, Blue Bio apply a value chain concept or approach. Our main activity is to establish a funding scheme and thereby to launch calls for proposals, fund and follow up research and innovation projects. To scope our calls and other activities, we address research and innovation challenges, gaps and needs, all the way from the exploration and exploitation of the biomass through the production processes towards the products and the markets. This is to ensure progress towards full sustainability and to accelerate the bioeconomy. In fact, at least in some ways, the blue bioeconomy already represents a contribution to a green transition, exemplified by a lower carbon footprint from products produced in sea similar to products produced on lands, such as seafood versus meat. But there are also always rooms for improvements. Efforts to increase the use of low trophic species is one, and increased circularity is another. Circularity is about reducing waste, but also about using waste from harvest and production processes as a resource within or between value chains. Furthermore, 
I would also like to point to the large potential for greening that lies within the aquaculture industry, an area where Europe is currently lagging behind and Norway being one exemption. Aquaculture provides an opportunity to accelerate the production of high value products and value creation and contribution to the greening. Impacts on the environment need to be assessed and tackled, of course, but they are not only negative. Certain types of aquaculture may even have positive impacts on the environment. Production of algae is one example contributing to carbon capture. Finally, to untap the full potential of all our efforts, I will stress the importance of an engaged and respectful communication and cooperation of, on challenges and solutions between academia, industry and governmental authorities representing the triple helix innovation model. Today, often expanded to include the civil society in a quadruple helix model. So this would be my final statements on how the European blue bioeconomy can contribute to the green transition. There are lots of opportunities if we work together toward the joint goals. Thank you. Kristen, thank you so much. Uh, we're already getting some questions in and our audience can keep sending those in. We'll come to them in just a moment. Uh, Ricardo, just to give us a bit more detail on the Council conclusions on the integrated maritime policy. You know, for you, what are the headline uh, takeaways from that? Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. I, I'm sorry for this uh, sounding, but <laughs> I, I cannot go outside. It's seven, 37 degrees Celsius outside. So. Please don't boast of it. Now we're in Brussels today and the weather's terrible. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, it's very sunny today. Uh, okay, thank you very much, Brian. Uh, yes, the, uh, you know, <coughs> the council the, the council conclusions on uh, the maritime, the integrated maritime policy, and I must say that this integrated maritime policy was, uh, was began, was announced in 2007 so it's already 14 years that gone and we, we really wanted to revise it on the terms of uh, the new agendas and the new regulations and the new approach that came and dedicate to the sustainable blue economy and so these are grounded on uh, and, uh, on four pillars as i said and for that we need a good governance the health pillar uh, stresses among others the need to address marine pollution, combat uh, illegal, uh, unregulated, unreported fishing, and protect the marine environment. Then we have the, the knowledge pillar. It's critical to support, of course, sound political decisions. Without knowledge, without solid science, we cannot proceed. In a high-level conference that took place in the beginning of June in uh, the Azores, the All-Atlantic Conference, uh, Norway was also involved, we intensified cooperation in, in research and innovation in the Atlantic Ocean, the, just continuing the work of the Galway and Blend, uh, Blend statements. And linked to the knowledge pillar, I have confident, really, in an effective plan to uh, implement the Horizon Europe uh, missions, namely the Horizon uh, Europe candidate mission called the Starfish mission, the mission on healthy ocean seas in inland waters, and the European Partnership for a Climate Neutral, Sustainable and Productive Blue Economy. Likewise, we need to deepen uh, or compromise with advancing scientific knowledge of the ocean we do not in nature decade of ocean science for sustainable development. And this is this make all the difference. Uh, the 
the, the decade on ocean arsen is for sustainable de development and it was also launched during uh, the in the beginning of this month of june now in more than ever we are very much aware of the effects of in informatics and infodemics sorry and the importance of knowledge to support decision uh, making <laughs> then it came the proper prosperity uh, pillar is also uh, vital in our current day and age we stand in fact before the enormous uh, challenge of facing climate emergency uh, of recovering environment and recovering from the consequence of the covid 19 pandemic we must do it by the coupling from an unsustainable use of resources in this connection the cost of conclusion i like farm to fork strategy which calls for an accelerated shift towards sustainable efficiency food production and the circular blue economy right. are areas of much sustainable investment are smart mobility and uh, coming to the last is the social equity palette which recognized the decent work condition for all including for fish communities is much need as the power of women in maritime affinities and i stop here to not go to leave the, also the floor for others to... to okay, thank you. Hugo, you know, the, thanks so much, Ricardo. Uh, Hugo, the role of the European Union and, and, and Portugal as well at the international level in ocean affairs, you know, our, our objective in Europe is not just to do things here in Europe. We need to have a global impact. It's the same as for data strategy, same for industrial policies which you're developing, you know, and, and the same is true for the blue economy too. So at an international level, what does Europe hope to achieve? Hugo. Thank you, Brian. I think that uh, I can only sort of follow on from what uh, Minister Santos has just shared. Uh, it's a central recognition in the context of the European Green Deal that uh, we can only achieve so much by uh, putting the European House in order. We actually have to secure buy-in and partnership with third countries so that we actually go towards solving some of those challenges together and i think global leadership comes with global responsibilities and that uh, in the sense of using all available instruments at our disposal to bring uh, partners along in the context of achieving uh, issues uh, uh, progress in the context of international oceans governance by achieving progress on the negotiations of an implementing agreement to the UNCLOS Convention on Biodiversity Beyond National Jurisdiction by actually moving towards a, uh, an ambitious global biodiversity framework in this context of the CBD COP15 uh, by, and I think I come back to what I spoke to earlier, by uh, negotiating and concluding a global agreement on plastic pollution in the context of UNEP by uh, including relevant uh, such uh, provisions in uh, our trade policy instruments. So I think uh, a range of avenues for you for us to go on very much in uh, cooperation with partners to make sure that we change the international system in that regard and to come to something which I think we talk about a lot a economic and social development that respects planetary boundaries, that brings the humanity into a safe operating space where we respect the limits that nature has given us, but allows us also to, to guarantee 
prosperity and well-being for citizens in Europe and worldwide. Thank you. Th thank you, Hugo. Jens, you know, the, the Ocean Panel and the EU's Green Deal, how do they mutually benefit each other? And just in the context of what Hugo was saying as well, you know, the, 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 our trade instruments, for example, they, they have a multiplication effect and, and they have far-reaching capacity as well. But from the, the Ocean Panel and, and the EU's Green Deal, where do you see the synergies here? Jens. Well, um, I think um, what's, um, what we try to do with the uh, ocean panel is a bit of the, um, let's say, rhetorical, but it's not only rhetorics, but it's the, it's the same approach to, to economic growth that, um, that we, we see and we acknowledge that you need economic growth and you need to create jobs for people. Um, and the way to do so is to um, to uh, manage your environment and your resources in a sustainable way. So uh, I think the um, and then you back it up with a lot of data and results uh, and um, concrete policy actions. So I think in the um, uh, so the kind of the idea behind the European Green Deal and the uh, Ocean Panel is is quite similar. But what we and what we are you know we are trying to do and uh, i wouldn't say struggle to do but what's what's important is to try to emphasize the link between um the ocean and uh, the climate and the ocean as a climate solution uh, i talked about offshore wind um but if you look at food as well if, if we're going to eat more sustainably uh, we need to uh, to uh, eat more fish and you know there's going to be more people on this planet and we you know, all people need to uh, have a healthy diet, which includes uh, fish. Um, and if you if you are not able to manage this sustainably, if you will deplete stocks uh, and you'll end up having food systems that are you know ravaging our planet. Um, so I think if you Let me ask Isabel yeah, about this as well, Isabel, you know the communication, the European Commission's communication addresses uh, responsible food systems as well in terms of aquaculture. You know, how do you see the future of this contribution uh, developing? You know, what does a responsible food system look like? It's not just about overfishing, is it? Yeah. Uh, first of all. Uh we do have to recognize that the EU is not self-sufficient in its need for seafood. And as I was saying, aquaculture plays an important role. Uh, we still have a potential for, for growth in aquaculture in Europe. And in fact, when we look at the st uh, statistical data, we see that there is a been, there's been a sort of a, a stagnation in our production over the, the last years, for some years now. Uh, in any case, and regardless of the need to, to invest more on aquaculture uh, production, uh, any such increase will need to be aligned with the sustainability of this production. As I said in, in my uh, opening remarks, uh, we cannot reduce the pressure on, on wild resources and then cause considerable environment impacts with intensive production. Uh, so we need really to think carefully about this. And I think, for instance, uh, the investment in, in multi-trophic production methods in a circular and extensive production regime should be developed and encouraged. Um, there are two fundamental problems, basically, in, in aquaculture that I also think we should address. Uh, first, the bureaucracy associated with the creation of a new production. 
I still hear over and over again investors and producers complaining about the time that the whole process takes. Uh, I'm sure it's a bit different from member state to member state, but in general terms, they all complain. And for this, the member states have made some efforts, as we know, but there is still a lot to improve. Uh, on the other hand, there has to be a change of mindsets uh, about the aquaculture products. Uh, because consumers still have some doubts about safety and about the taste of these products. And this, is, this all needs to be demystified because the EU has simply one of the most comprehensive and demanding legislations in terms of food safety and food production in the world. But let me just also stress this. When we, when we talk about sustainability of the, of the food systems, uh, Definitely, this has to do with the way we think production, but also the way we think consumption. That's why I find so so important that we also invest a lot on, on the relationship of the consumers with food. We need to eat up less in a more reasonable way, in a more balanced way. Uh, and we also have to be careful with this kind of discourses, so to speak, because what we say as true for societies such as the European ones is definitely not true for other societies in, in African countries or in so many parts of the world. So when we say that we need to eat less, we, we have to be uh, careful what is that we're saying actually. But we do have reasons to reduce drastically the amount of waste. We waste a lot. We waste tons and tons of food uh, every year in the European Union. Uh, around 20 uh, tons of, uh, on a, a yearly basis, uh, food of uh, vegetables and, and fresh fruit. This is huge. And I mean, it's uh, uh, something that we have to rethink and makes part of the transition to more sustainable uh, food systems uh, to answer your question. Thank you, Isabel. Very clear. Uh, Kristen, you know, Isabel mentioned there about uh, not treating, for example, Africa in the same way as uh, we need to adapt ourselves. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all policy. But when it comes to the oceans and development policy, Kristen, you know, what do you think the relationship is there? What does uh, development policy bring in terms of uh, protecting and, and um, uh, managing the oceans in a sustainable way? <laughs> Well, of course, we need the same principles. We have uh, the, the sustainability, the environmental sustainability, and also building upon the ecosystems and what is already there. We cannot, uh, um, well, the, the industries has to, has to adapt and not the, not the other way. So, and that principle is the same all, all around the, all around the world. Uh, then, of course, it is applied in different ways and also the the size of the industry and what is needed and, and the, how we use the ocean is different from country to country but i think there is a lot to learn from uh, from exchanging knowledge across uh, countries and and across uh, continents um, in in norway we have over to the lot of efforts into the management of the seas and oceans and I'm sure there are lots of experience that we can share with other with other countries without not necessarily copying it in um, in uh, in detail but uh, the management of the oceans is not about the management of one industry it's also about finding ways to to live live together uh, 
all, all the different kind of, of activities and aquaculture in one fisheries is one fisheries is another sometimes in, in conflict with each other with with tourism with the uh, other kind of uh, industries it could be shipping and uh, and petroleum uh, exploration. That's, that's the problem, isn't it? Because each of these industries uh, demands growth and more yeah. consumption, and yet we're yeah. saying, actually, please don't do that. Yeah, and uh, it's a space, and the spatial planning is really, really important, and you have constraints getting the permission for agriculture industry, but it could as well be other industries, so really, really to look into how to how uh, system to to find ways to where it, where can you really <laughs> de develop the different types of industries where where do you have the opportunities looking together let me and ask isabel on this also isabel you mentioned about the difficulty of bureaucracy and we hear this again and again in terms of uh, we announce big packages of things that you can do and then for SMEs in particular trying to get access to those funds becomes a bureaucratic nightmare and so the whole uh, transition to a more sustainable economy in, in this instance uh, becomes much more difficult. Do, do you think we're going to get better at this? Do you see any encouragement in terms of how aquaculture is being managed in these different uh, transitory uh, processes for uh, tourism for example and not just uh, fisheries, managing this in a better way faster? Okay, I can't hear you. One second. And there we go. Try. I think you're on mute now, are you? Yes. I think. Can you unmute, please, Isabel? Maybe. Okay. There we go. Oh, Perfect. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay because I didn't say much. I was saying that, uh, as I see it, I think we are going the right direction. I mean, okay. um, obviously, we all recognize that an effort has to be made in order to uh, to the decrease bureaucracy. And uh, when when I know it's not the same thing, but uh, when we look, for instance, at, at these um, uh, at the recent EMF EMFAF, for instance, we see uh, an effort, an evolution uh, in, in terms of of making it easier for fishers to to deal with access to funding. So I think we are going in the right direction, but this also has to do with the way national uh, authorities, national entities uh, also are capable of, of uh, answering to, to the requests, for instance, for the creation of, of new productions uh, in, in aquaculture. So it's all, uh, uh, let's say, intertwined. Uh, it's not just the uh, European Union level, but also the national and the regional level. There has to be a, a close articulation of all uh, elements uh, and identities involved to speed up these, these processes. But I think we are, we are going in, in the right direction. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you went through EMFAF before I did. I was going to struggle with that. The European Maritime Fisheries and Aquaculture Fund, which has about 6 billion euros attached to it as well. Jens, you spoke earlier about, and as did Ricardo too, about uh, the, the knowledge element of this as well. And that uh, you know, are we at the beginning of really understanding what's needed to be done here? Because you know, in, in terms of political culture, uh, the blue economy is not well understood from from where I sit. You know, people don't understand the. You, know, you get figures earlier about this: the, the invest one dollar, get five dollars back, and also uh, six times more capacity uh, in terms of, of food production if it's managed properly as well. You know, do we need to educate the political class and and uh, consumers uh, before these policies become more effective, gents? 
Well, um, that's uh, partly why we have uh, set up the ocean panel, uh, and I think also part of the reason why um, Norway is trying to play a very active part in, in Brussels um, and also with regard to EU member states to promote the blue economy. And, you know, there is a lot of lot of traction uh, now uh, with the panel's report, but also, you know, the, the general trend for... Uh, for sustainability, also is a benefit for for the ocean because what you uh, what you get from from food and energy, uh, you know, it it requires better use of ocean resources. So I think the the trend is our friend, uh, basically, when it comes to to ocean issues. Uh, but uh, I think also there's um, the, the national story of some countries do not include um, the maritime sector, and I think that also. A part of the conscience that we need to build. Of course, Portugal is uh, definitely a country with a very long maritime tradition where uh, the ocean is in everyone's head <laughs> all the time. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other European countries where the maritime tradition is something that's maybe very present in along the coast. Um, I'm thinking perhaps uh, Germany, which has a, you know, fairly small coastline but still um, very much an ocean nation with a large merchant navy as well and a proud maritime history so um, reactivating uh, those national stories about about the ocean and the, and the maritime sector um, I think that would you know be a big possibility uh, for uh, for all of us who are interested in promoting the blue economy. Okay, you're winning on soundbite today. The trend is our friend. Thank you for that. Uh, Ricardo, just before we take a couple of questions, you know, Portugal has led by example uh, through this as well. And for you, in terms of practical outcomes uh, from Portuguese uh, transition and the integration of the Green Deal with the, the blue economy, what stands out for you? What are the, what are the highlights here? Yeah, I think you're on, on mute also. Let's see. So, yeah, mute. Uh, yeah, thank you very thank much, you. Brian. Ryan, you said something that is, is target now on this uh, starfish mission, is the emotional connection of the citizens we, we do see. In fact, uh, something that I clearly understood, uh, I noted particularly when I came to, to politics and I went to the European Parliament, is that as a scientist, I was been talking among uh, of the fun of the, the the funds, the club of funds of, of the ocean and the sea. And I didn't notice that around we had to do a lot of um, motivation and uh, clarification about uh, uh, the ocean. I think that me tell that um, during this last, I, I know that I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, tackling your question exactly, but uh, this is an issue that you mentioned on the previous question that interests me in particular. And, um, uh, in fact, Portugal has been, since the, the end of the 90s, very, very involved on the issues of, of the ocean and the sea. Of course, we are a coastal, a coastal country. Uh, we have uh, uh, an important economic exclusive zone. We are planning the extension of the continental shelf, also huge, and we have a vocation for, for the ocean, for the discoveries, for the sea. Um, and in fact, we began uh, national strategies for the sea in the early 2000s. And these are important um, uh, documents, are important uh, leading political documents for strategic documents. And some people do not understand how the, 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 the economy of the sea became important in Portugal. The, and people did the, uh, eventually does not notice, for instance, that 
the most important products of export in Portugal in agri uh, agro food um, agro food is are food from the sea, other uh, uh, transformed or even um, uh, fresh sea, uh, fresh fresh uh, fresh fish, but all, most of it um, uh, uh, transformed by the, by the industry, and that. In fact, if you look to, we have a, a count, uh, satellite account of the sea. It uh, it is the third most important sector in Portugal, and uh, so we give importance, but it is not noticed by eventually by or, or, or taken uh, as as um, strongly as should be in uh, in, uh, in by the the society. Uh, and but at the time we were doing these these uh, strategies for the sea. In fact, I can I can notice that in the international agendas, the 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 oceans and the sea had not the importance and the relevance that it um, it should have. But during these last five years, the change the things have changed dramatically, and the sea is turning relevant in terms of policies. We have the SDG 14 for the first time in agendas of of uh, of development. It's the first time in 2015. And if we notice the importance of the sea in terms of climate, it is the forests were always coming first. Yes. And if you look at the EPCC, only came with this report regarding the ocean in 2019. And uh, but I think that it's become the ocean is is becoming strongly relevant with in a, in the international agenda. This is very important, and that's okay. why this is so important. This high level panel that we are building because we need new forms of uh, of economy for a change for a world that is changing really and we need to help on this change and uh, the sea cannot be looked as a sea of torment and struggle but a sea of, uh, but uh, an element of security and transformation thank you excellent ricardo uh, isabel question for you from uh, taxi and uh, taxi from brazil what, which are the parameters to define a sustainable fishery, I'm assuming sustainable fisheries policy? Do we have enough scientific knowledge to affirm a sustainable uh, fishery policy? Isabel. Okay, I hope you hear me. Uh, yes. First of all, data, you mentioned that data is really, really important. Uh, that's why I think it's, uh, it's, um, uh, very uh, good news that we are actually uh, defending the protection of significant areas uh, of the sea, for instance, through the marine protected areas. Um, so I know that sometimes there is, uh, um, you know, some less positive reaction, so to speak, especially next to the sectors, but uh, the gains are very, very high, and they are not only environmental, they are also economic and social, and they also provide the protection of these areas, provide also this very important thing, which is to have data. We need to have more information, more data on how the activities, the, the fishing activities, uh, uh, tourism activities in the sea, how they actually impact on, on the species, the species. It's the best way to have science on our side. It's the best way to protect the environment, to protect the species, and obviously the, the uh, all the, the richness that we have in our seas and also at the same time to protect the fishers. Um, sometimes, you know, they, they really don't have 
a way to argue in their own defense and say, well, we are actually having uh, not that negative impact. But they can't really do this kind of argument unless there are data that actually explain in a very clear and sustained way uh, which, the, uh, which the impacts are. And this, this is all the best way to uh, to, I see my picture is frozen. Yeah, I'll come back to you just a moment. Let's let it refresh a little bit as well. There's another question uh, for San. Yeah, for okay, Mr. Santos and Mr. Holt. So, uh, Torius Kandal from WWF in Norway. Uh, he says, Mr. Santos, Mr. Holt, how do you see deep seabed mining as part of the future blue economy? A loaded question, but I'm sure you can manage that. Ricardo, you first. How do you see deep you seabed know, mining as yeah. part of the blue economy? I think uh, many people think that we are already doing deep sea, uh, deep sea bed mining, and uh, but there is no commercial deep sea bed mining, and I think we have not the conditions yet to 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 proceed with commercial seabed mining. Uh, we don't have the technology. We know that we have uh, strong issues concerning environmental impacts of seabed mining. There will be no seabed mining without losses of biodiversity, for sure. And uh, it is something that should, could, should eventually be proceed. I, I believe that um, uh, it, will, it, will, it will occur because there is a lot of pressure from, from the industry and uh, uh, sometimes with false arguments. I don't believe that we need another, at this moment, the, the minerals they, they take it. And we don't have enough knowledge of the impacts of it. There is important studies. The European Commission, I must applaud, has um, had, um, uh, approved and had, uh, financed very important projects like MIDAS or Hermione, but MIDAS, that made uh, studies on the impacts of plumes, many of them on, on, on laboratory, of course, uh, dif difficult to do in, in, uh, in uh, good conditions. And uh, if Deep sea mining will inhibit the the true economy that exists, like fishing or or, or tourism or whale watching, because the the sound can have some trouble and the the, the distribution of the plums with heavy metals can disturb uh, important uh, um, habitats. It, uh, it it is a problem. But if we cannot proceed without proper knowledge and good technology, okay. I believe that. One way it will be done, uh, better later than sooner, and only with the uh, exact, the, the good knowledge that is okay. needed, the impacts that it can drop. So perfect the technology before we go wrecking stuff, I suppose. Yes. Uh, Jens, you want to add to this first? And then maybe Hugo wants to comment on this also. Jens. Yes, uh, just very briefly. Um, as, as you know, the Norwegian government is in the process of um, assessing uh, potential um, seabed mining areas and that's a process where we gather knowledge because we know we need to know more uh, obviously um, but you know um, I think what we need to reflect upon here is the um, the green transition will require a lot of minerals uh, in order to achieve it and also the EU has um, stated clearly that you know you want to have some kind of strategic autonomy uh, on resources as well and circular economy is an obvious answer which the ocean panel is, is looking at but uh, 
you know, the demand for minerals puts uh, uh, puts uh, us in a in a big dilemma, which we hopefully can solve with more knowledge and technology. Uh, but there will be uh, difficult debates uh, in in the years ahead related to to seabed mining. Excellent. Thank you for that. That's uh, a clear point. And Hugo, do you want to add anything to that? Well, I think a lot has been said already, but I can only add that uh, we are convinced that uh, there are opportunities, but there are considerable challenges and risks in the taking up of commercial seabed mining. Uh, I'm afraid that we will have to confront the the discussion rather sooner than later in the context of the International Seabed Authority, because to my understanding, the first requests for uh, triggering uh, the two-year uh, delay for uh, uh, sort of getting the permits to start exploration activities will reach or have reached the Seabed Authority already. So I think that will be a very difficult discussion and to see how we can safeguard uh, the uh, integrity of many of those areas that are interesting for seabed mining, but at the same time, maybe actually areas that are fragile and eco eco ecologically important. So it's a challenge. Thank you. Thank you, Kristin. And then maybe as well, want to add as well, the importance of the biodiversity strategy, Kristin, and its link with the sustainable uh, blue economy in particular, the impact it has on fisheries. How do you see that relationship uh, developing? Oh yes, the biodiversity is of course, it is the, ba the basis for the bioeconomy and it ha really has to be, be protected, but it doesn't really need to be a conflict with the exploration and the uh, exploitation of, uh, uh, of the, of the bioresources if it's done in a sustainable way, but then we need a good knowledge and, and uh, really good data on um, on the ecosystems and the impacts uh, of uh, of exploitation on the on the ecosystems, but definitely we we cannot have a bioeconomy without really also taking care of the biodiversity. Isabel, welcome back. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I, I, yeah, I had to refresh the the connection, and, and I was uh, saying the the, the importance of collecting data because we really need the science on our side to define the best ways to, to protect the, the seas. And as when I look at the biodiversity strategy, uh, I think of, of one important message uh, is the relevance that it gives to uh, the protection of the seas through the marine protected areas, for instance. Uh, we, we must, I think it's really important to say that we must work to ensure that these maritime uh, areas, protected areas, are really implemented in line with the with the objectives of the strategy uh, and uh, as they were established. And for that, it is necessary to ensure that there are management plans in place uh, and monitoring and control of the activities. It's not so much about sometimes forbidding activities, but a real control of this, and that the users of these areas understand the objectives and are fully aligned with them in their activities. Uh, to draw maritime uh, protected areas on a map is not enough to say we are doing our best for biodiversity. It's not enough to protect biodiversity. We need real implementation and monitoring. And fishers and all the key, uh, the, the, the stakeholders involved in, in, in these activities are key to this goal. Uh, 
right. let me say just that they are the first to feel the consequences of the reduction of fish populations. So they should be the first to understand. Uh, and sometimes they are actually the first ones to understand when the fishing is above the biological limits. So they are really key to help us in, in this control and monitoring of what is happening in, in the oceans. Um, we have a common fisheries policy that has addressed these issues on sustainability for many years, uh, perhaps not in, the, in all the best way possible, but we have achieved some positive results and we are beginning to see the, visible, uh, the visibility of those results uh, thanks also to the effort of, of fishers and everybody involved in the process. Thank you. We're coming very close to our time, but I just want to get uh, a quick word uh, from Ricardo on uh, governance here as well. A really quick word. And the role of the European Parliament, Ricardo, you're, you're on both uh, sides of, of the regulatory uh, frame here. So what can the European Parliament do uh, in terms of uh, helping with the, the governance uh, in terms of uh, everything we talked about, the blue economy, and uh, making sure that uh, targets are reasonable and people adhere to them? Microphone. The European Parliament, uh, the, after, I believe, 2007 or 2009, after the the the, the, the Lisbon uh, the Lisbon Agreement, uh, became a, a co-legislator. So, the, the the European Parliament is really a, a very important institution in terms of all the legislation that. Um, uh, European that uh, deals with the European Union issues, and uh, they uh, they are uncontrollable. And uh, my experience is that uh, we can intervene in this process if we go, for instance, for the issues of um, mining that you refer. There was um, uh, 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 a resolution in the European Parliament from 2017, I believe that uh, proposes a moratorium for some time in these uh, issues okay. of uh, mining. And this was incorporated, it cannot be taken uh, um, hot, it was incorporated in, on the st uh, European, European Biodiversity Strategy, okay. the actual, the let one me, of the pillars of the, the Green Deal. Thank you. I, it's clear that kind of uh, approach is exactly uh, what's needed. So uh, let's uh, go to our, our final sound bites uh, to wrap up. Jens, you want to kick off with your, your last word? Please, uh, we're really close in time, so about 30 seconds each would be really appreciated. Jens, off you go. Thanks. Uh, now, I, I must say that the, uh, the discussion today has, I think, um, uh, shown how much possibilities there are in the blue economy. and. Uh, I'm, yeah, I can just <laughs> warn you all that Norway will keep on uh, highlighting the opportunities in the blue economy and in particular make it show how it's relevant for uh, EU-Norway uh, cooperation. Uh, we are of course a member of the single market, uh, but uh, the ocean uh, presents I mean, much more possibilities than what lies in the single market and the possibility for, for a, a deeper cooperation both in Europe and globally as well. Hugo, blue and green, what's the way forward? Well, I think uh, for blue as for green, uh, it's important to put one's own house in order in order to be a credible partner and uh, for a global change that is necessary in that regard as well. Thank you. Thank you. Isabel.
Uh, I'll just ask you to repeat because I was without sound. Sure. So just, I didn't... Uh, okay, just in terms of the blue and green, uh, what's the way forward, your soundbite? Yeah, I think, okay, I think we, we have the, the good instruments to go in the right direction with the Green Deal and with the biodiversity strategy, the farm to fork strategy, although this one is not so much uh, looking at sea uh, production and consumption, but it has an holistic approach, with, which I think is very important also in terms of defining consumption when it comes to the definition of, of the sustainability of food systems. So I think at this stage, we have all the right uh, instruments from a political point of view that can help us go in the right direction for more sustainable approaches to, uh, to the seas and to, to, to really build up a, a strong and resilient blue economy. So I, I'm positive, positive about the future on that regard. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry to rush you. Kristen, over to you. Quick word on the blue-green. Yes, thank you. I think yeah, that the blue is really a key for the for the green uh, tra transition and uh, uh, and, the so and, and solutions. And I absolutely um, think that uh, we both need to to use and also to protect the ocean. And I think, as as I also said, that the communication and a dialogue between the various stakeholders and the groups, the governance and the, the so, so civil society and the academia and also the, the industry is very key to really to progress towards the sustainability and also the greening of the, of the economy. Thank you, Kristen. Ricardo, 30 seconds, all yours, last word. This was uh, the, the, the team of our presidency, the blue agenda in the Green Deal. And uh, there will be no Green Deal without a blue, uh, strong blue agenda. <laughs> you nailed it, sir. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, let's just thank all our panelists today, uh, Ricardo, Jens, Hugo, Isabel, and Kristen. Uh, there was a big discussion. I wish we could have done uh, uh, more detail on this as well. There, it's clear there's a broad scope and uh, there's a lot of work to be done ahead, but data-driven uh, and uh, balanced approach to that as well. So also thank you to the mission of Norway to the European Union and also the Portuguese presidency uh, for the support for the event today. And uh, to my team here, uh, Tamara, but also Team Norway, uh, Kaya, for all her assistance in the preparation and to Malta and to Zoran. I'm Brian McGuire. I wish you a good afternoon.